guys may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. It's uh, good to see you all. And uh, I'm starting a new series this morning, so I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, do me a favor and turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to look at probably one of the more uh, famous verses of the New Testament and, and uh, in church life. It's a very famous verse. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. We're going to spend a couple weeks here calling a series called Go. And uh, tonight, uh, this morning, is, a, is an important sermon, actually, in some ways, in the life of our church. So I'm eager to communicate it to you. And, uh, and so inside of your bulletin, there's a handout. You can follow along with me there. Uh, for those of you who are continuing in your small groups and doing sermon-based small groups, that's a great way to prepare for your small group is to take that note sheet out and take some notes and prepare for that. And while you're doing that, I want to uh, draw your attention. I want to make a couple quick announcements. First of all, next week is our uh, Lord's Supper and Baptist. Baptism week. It's where we kind of combine those two ordinances and, and we worship together by celebrating Jesus Christ through those two ordinances. So uh, if, it, if being baptized is something you've been thinking about, praying about, or considering, or you already know, hey, I'm going to be baptized next week, would you do me a favor? And after the service, would you meet with me in the offices over here to the left? So you just go out and you make a left and I'll be right over here. And myself and Chris Lay will meet with you and, and we'll talk to you a little bit more about what next week is going to look like. Uh, second thing I want to bring to your attention. Man, okay, I started, I was going to challenge you all with this last week, and then I got sick, okay, conveniently, and, uh, and so I only work one day a week, and then I call in sick on that day, so it's a joke. Anyway, uh, so, but man, uh, next week is a uh, uh, um, 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 campaign that we're doing right here, a seminar that we're doing right here for men called Avoiding the Landmines in Life, and uh, you can sign up for that on the way out. Uh, one of our men's leaders will be there, and I think the cost is $10. I really, really want to encourage you and challenge you guys. Uh, this is a great uh, first step to continuing to grow in Christ and, and to uh, really avoid some of the landmines that are in front of us uh, so that our lives can reflect Christ and we can grow in Him and be the, the spiritual leaders in our homes and our communities and our churches that I really believe God has for us men to be. So uh, I really want to encourage you, information in your bulletin, sign up there. And then the final thing I want to bring your attention to, college students, next Friday night, we're having a coffee house right here. It's actually back, going to be back in our kids' praise area. You know, it's going to be good music. It's going to be a good evening. And, and probably the thing I'm really passionate about is I'm actually coming and I'm doing some teaching. Uh, I'm doing a thing called Don't Date Naked. Uh, and I stole the title, but I didn't steal the stuff. Okay. And, and really what I want to teach you students is, is how to find a great mate and how to date on purpose. And it's some, um, some thoughts and ideas that God gave me when I was young and single. And I've since been teaching on it. And, uh, you know, next to following Christ and deciding with your life to follow Jesus Christ, probably deciding who you'll marry is probably the next biggest decision you'll make. And, and I really want to equip you young people with that. And so I really want to encourage you, man. It's going to be a great evening together. And that information's in your bulletin, but it's next Friday night, okay? So those are a couple things. I'm starting a new series, uh, and I've titled today's sermon with authority. And um, I, I love sports, and you guys know that. I do enough sports illustrations. I, I love baseball. It's probably my favorite sport um, for a lot of reasons. But, um, but you know, it's, it's actually a sport that you can fake it a little bit. Uh, like, you don't really know if a player is good or bad right out of the gate sometimes because, I mean, you can have the uniform and the equipment and, and you can look really good. And and uh, and because ba hitting a baseball, I always say hitting a baseball, in my humble opinion, is is probably the most difficult thing to do in sports. Uh, a little speech I give my, my little leaguers when I'm coaching them, I said, you know, I said, kids, what do you call a professional baseball player that fails seven out of 10 times? What do you call that person? Anybody know? You call them a Hall of Famer, okay, because it's, it's so difficult that the guys that succeed three out of ten times oftentimes go into the Hall of Fame. That's what a difficult sport is. So it's difficult in baseball to tell if a kid's good or not because they could get up to bat ten or fifteen times, and it takes that long to figure out, oh, this, this kid really can't hit. My daughter, however, has taken up a whole new sport that's new to me. Uh, she's taken up the sport of ice skating, Okay. You cannot fake it in ice skating, okay? The minute you put skates on, it's really easy to determine if you're any good or not, right? And, and if you're no good, and if, you, if you're like me and you're no good, right? Like, where are you? You're hanging on the wall, right? And it's pretty easy to go, yeah, this person doesn't know what they're doing. And, and so it takes a little bit of time to have authority over your abilities and over your ice skates and over your ankles and all that. And it takes some time and practice to be any good. And, and you can tell when a 
person has authority over what they're doing in ice skating and when they don't, okay? This morning, we're going to look at a verse in the Bible that's called, usually called the Great Commission. And it's the commissioning of Jesus Christ, of his disciples, to take the name and fame of Jesus Christ globally, all right, to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And, and usually, when this verse is preached on, and in fact, I would say most churches on the peninsula, and there's hundreds of them, right? And, and nationally, there's thousands and thousands of churches across the nation. Most of them would say, this is a key verse on which we've built our church. This is, this is one of these verses that, that if we're going to exist in a church, has to sink deeply into our DNA of who we are. And what's interesting is, is most of the teaching that is done on this verse starts with the word go, right? If you've ever heard it talk, so, you know, you got to go into all the world, right? But what's interesting is we skip the first verse, which is the authority in which we go. The first verse of the commission of Christ is, has everything to do with the authority of our Savior, which has been granted to him by God the Father. Check this out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus told his disciples, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, and this is where we usually start, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've commanded and given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Notice that this commissioning is bracketed in the authority of Jesus Christ. Do you notice that? It's bracketed with, by the way, my father gave me all authority, and it ends with, I'm going to be with those who take this commissioning seriously. And I love that. And so the first thing I want you to see is that the, the, to go is to go in the authority of Christ. And by the way, this authority has been granted. Who granted Jesus the authority? He says, I've been given. Who, who granted him the authority? His father, right? His heavenly father, the creator, our heavenly father, God of the universe has granted his son all authority. Jesus has been given. Church, make no mistake about this. Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. All right? No doubt about that. He is the boss. He's in control. He's been given authority. In fact, I have people teach, I've heard people teach this, which is a is a mistaken teaching that you become a Christian and then you make Jesus Lord, right? Maybe you've heard that. There's, there's two problems with that. Number one, Jesus is Lord. We don't make him anything, right? Like Jesus ain't in heaven going, man, I sure hope they bow a knee to my authority. You know, I'm sure worried about whether the human race is going to get it or not. No, he's Lord. In fact, the Bible's really clear that there's going to come a day when Jesus returns and those that are living and those who are dead will be resurrected and they will stand in front of him and they will give an account. And at that moment, every knee will bow and every tongue will. It will be obvious that he's king of kings and lord of lords. However, we have an opportunity for, uh, to, to, through the message of the gospel to present eternal life to others for those who bow a knee to the lordship of Christ. Now, we, do, we don't make him lord, he is lord, okay? Amen. Number two, being a Christian... And having Jesus as your boss or your Lord or king in your life is one and the same. All right? That's what being a Christian is. In fact, the command of, this, of the great of the commissioning is not to go and make converts. It's to make disciples. A disciple is someone who has bowed a knee to the lordship of Christ and has understands that authority has been granted to him. And I hope you, you see some of the practical implications of this. And we're going to unpack these here the rest of the way, okay? The practical implications is that because he's Lord, or since he's Lord, his rule over our lives, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, his rule demands a response from you. It's, it's, it's not something you get to go, well, I, you know, I may or may not be involved in the Great Commission. I may or may not accept the commissioning of Christ. If he's the Lord of your life, if you're a follower of him, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what you have been commissioned to do. This, is, this needs to be on the forefront of everything. It needs to be the shade, the glasses, if you will, through which you view life. 
You know, in church life, and, and this is one of the dangers, by the way, if you're sitting here this morning, you're, you're like heavily, you're knee deep involved in church leadership. And I know a lot of you are, and I'm thankful for each one of you. One of the things we have to combat against when you're in knee deep in leadership is you kind of get sidetracked in all the administration of it, and you forget, man, that, that the, the glasses that we wear is the commissioning of Jesus Christ to make him famous all across the globe. On the peninsula, yes, absolutely. This is where he stationed us. But we also have to have a global vision that we are looking for disciples. We're, we're looking to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And we'll get into that in the coming weeks of what the back end of the commissioning looks like. But it, it demands a response, church. We can't sit here idly and say, oh, the, the commissioning of Christ is nothing for me. It has everything for us. It influences every single relationship that you have. The neighborhood that you live in, the, the spot, the street that you live on is not an accident. The neighbors around you are not an accident. The people that you work with, the, the, the family God has placed you in, with the relationships, you know, the annoying aunt or uncle or whatever, like that's a, that relationship's important. You're there with a commission. Every relationship is important to the commissioning. Every decision that you and your, your spouse make together it has everything to do with the commissioning of Christ. You know what the problem with most Christian marriages are? We're, we, and this is why this commissioning is important. Some of y'all are running around your marriage and you're fussing all the time because you're not meeting my needs and you don't make me happy. And it's because you, you know, God's got something far bigger for your marriage than just for the two of you to get through life happy. It is to be on mission together for the commissioning of Christ. One of the reasons me and my wife don't fight all that much is like, we ain't got time for that, you know? Some of y'all got the joke even, right? <laughs> we got time for that. Like, okay, let's settle that issue. But man, we've been commissioned for something. We're, 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 we're responsible to make sure that the gospel goes out through our limited time here on earth to every tribe, tongue, and nation as best as we can make it happen. Every relationship. Parents, the commissioning has everything to do with why you're parenting. You're not just trying to bring up good little citizens or good little Americans or make sure they make a lot of money. You parents, if you're not bringing up disciples of Christ, you're missing the target of your parenting. Some of you are more worried about hobbies or education or whatever than you are that they're pursuing Jesus Christ. And listen, my, listen, I get it. Like, I have kids involved in hobbies, and we, our family, we wrestle with the tension all the time. Like, okay, do we do this? You know, especially like on youth group night, this is practice. This, you know, what, what's important? And we add, we're constantly evaluating. What are we channeling the efforts of our children in light of the commissioning? Yeah, it affects how you run a business and why you run a business. It, last week, you, uh, the Sunday morning crowd, you guys got blessed with a really great sermon, didn't you, while I was sick? You missed out on the tithing sermon that the Saturday night group got, okay? Um, you know, I talked about tithing last week. Your, your generous donations are funding the kingdom, right? In fact, one of the reasons I believe America as a whole is in so much trouble is not because of the them out there. It's because of the us in here. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, I believe God has blessed this country so that we can fund the kingdom of God by generous living. And instead, what we've done is we've bought into the world and we just really aren't all that generous when push comes to shove. The commissioning has everything to do with your checkbook. It has everything to do with the ministry that you serve. If you sign up for a ministry here at Coastal Community Church, it is important that you take that ministry serious because you never know when someone's going to walk in for the first time and, and, and man, I'm, it's been a long time since I've come to church and I'm kind of investigating. And if you showed up late, we, made a, we, made, we missed an opportunity to make a tremendous first impression for someone to know our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Take your ministry serious. Uh, it, it just it shades everything that we do because, because Christ is in authority, it demands a response, okay? And so if we skip this first part of authority and we jump right to go, we miss whose authority we're going in. Does that make sense? Now, the second part of this verse, I want you to see, so, so Jesus establishes his authority over the commission that he's given his disciples. And so it's in that light, he says, therefore... Therefore, because of my authority, because I've been given authority, I have the authority to both command and direct your life. So I, I kind of just highlighted that, all right? Christ is an authority over our lives as followers of Jesus. 
And so he has the authority to both command and direct our lives. But here's the second part of this. Since he has authority, therefore, he has the power to enable those who take the commissioning seriously. I want you to hear that. Because he has authority, it's not up to us to come up with the power and all the how-to and all the resources. It's up to us to, to pursue obedience with the commissioning and the, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who has been granted all authority, is the one who empowers and enables the people who adjust their lives to pursue the commissioning. Isn't that cool? Or the church that pursues the commissioning. The command is sent with the authority of Christ, and it will be accomplished in the power of Christ. I, um, have, you ever, uh, have you ever sent one of your kids to go get another kid for dinner? Have you ever done that? Like you're in the kitchen, you're preparing dinner, and one of your kids is standing there. You're like, hey, go get, do me a favor. Go get your brother, right? Yeah, go get your sister. And, and then that child looks up at the ceiling and goes, hey, it's time for dinner. Like, you know, I, I could have done that. That really wasn't what I had in mind, you know. And, uh, and so they go upstairs, you know, or they go outside. Hey, you know, you got to come in for dinner, right? What happens there? I ain't coming in for dinner. You ain't the boss of me. You know, back and forth that goes, right? And that goes on for about 10 minutes. And then finally the sibling that you sent says, mom said or dad said, you know, you're supposed to, right? And you get the same response. They still ain't coming. But anyway, the illustration <laughs> remains the same. Right? Here's the point. When, when we adjust our lives with the commissioning, we go in the authority of the commissioner, if you will, right? We go, we go in the authority of Jesus Christ. Check this out in 2 Corinthians. Next week, we're going to do baptism. Man, I'm super excited about our baptisms. That's where people stand up in front of us and say, hey, you know what? I used to live for me, uh, but now I'm living for Jesus Christ. And this is one of the verses we sometimes use uh, here in in 2 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, you know, you're now dead to you and your life and your sin and you're alive to the things of God. You're alive, literally, you're alive to the commissioning, right? Do you ever think about that, by the way? When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, why didn't God just kind of rapture you up into heaven? Like, oh, my mission's accomplished. You're now a believer. Come on up into glory. Why, why are you still here? Is it just because, you know, it's just to get through life safe, soft, and he's kind of, you know, I'm here to navigate all this back pain I'm in and try to get through it because my body's breaking. Why are you still here? You're here because you've been commissioned with the great commission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you're still here. You have, God didn't just save you. He, he saved you for a purpose. You, you're literally the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul says this, and he says it this way. 2 Corinthians 5 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, but the new life has begun. That's what we're going to celebrate next week, week of baptism. But it doesn't end there. He says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. We're on mission, right? He says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's us who are followers of Jesus. Man, our sins are forgiven, washed away, incredible grace, gospel stuff, right? And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now we are Christ's what? Ambassadors. What's an ambassador, by the way, right? Think about the, an ambassador of the United States of America. If an ambassador of the United States of America goes into another country, and that other country were to maybe take that person captive, what's going to happen? The full forces of the American, uh, uh, of every part of our military has the backing of that U.S. ambassador, or at least they should, Correct. Why? Because even though they may be an individual, they are there with the backing of the full resources of the United States of America. Now, let's transition that illustration to us as followers of Jesus Christ. When we're on mission, we go with the full backing of the creator God of the universe who has granted all authority to his son, Jesus Christ. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making an appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You have a mission. You have a commissioning church. You're here on purpose. And so the power of God is with those that dare to align with his commissioning. Why don't you hear that again? The power of God is with those who dare to align with his commissioning. I am... Years ago, it's kind of a behind-the-scenes joke. I hope you find it funny. You may find it disturbing. Um, uh, but behind the scenes, many years ago, our men's ministry director 
was asking for uh, more money in his budget because he had a vision for where he wanted the men's ministry to go. And, and so I, I kind of jokingly said, yeah, and it's Jimmy Martin's our leader. I said, Jimmy, there's always money for vision, right? So now everyone throws that in my face every time there's a ministry that wants to ask for more budgeting money. And I always, I always say, you said there's always money for vision, okay? Uh, if there's any ministry leaders in here, don't come to me asking for any money tomorrow, okay? So, um, but why did I say that? Why did I say that? In a, in a real sense, I meant it. And I meant it in the sense of when we align ourselves with the vision of the commission of Christ to make disciples of all nations. There will always be money for that. You want to know why? Because God will provide the resources for the church that is daring enough to align themselves seriously with the commissioning of Jesus Christ. I really believe that. Amen. Never doubted that. In fact, uh, one of the things, and we've called this month March Missions Madness, we're trying to show you some of the missions that your donations support, all right? I remember when I first got here, this wasn't always the case. And I remember I, when I was looking at, as a young pastor here, I was looking over the budget. And one of the things that disturbed me was that we weren't giving away a tenth of our re resources, our incomes. And, I said, and we began to grow and push towards that, right? And now, as a little more mature church, we make sure that every year, that 10 cents on every dollar goes out to the supporting missions that don't directly influence this ministry. And we think this ministry is important. This is our ministry and mission to this community. But, but we also understand, man, there's other things going on globally. And, and it, what's been really cool is as we've continued to keep that on the forefront of what we are and what we're doing, God has blessed the socks off of this church. We've never had to sit up here and beg for money because you guys are generous, I think, and eager to be a part of that. But it's also incredible how God just continues to bless Coastal Community Church. God is going to bless a people, you as an individual, us as a people, if we're open-handed with our resources for the commissioning. I really believe that. He will pour out his blessing on those people because this is his mission, okay? Now, we make a transition to the word go, okay? So it's because of the authority of Christ and his commissioning and his, his ability to enable and empower those who adjust to his commissioning. We are now given the command to go. Now, the word go literally means as you're going, Okay, it's a it's a it's a movement word, of course, but it's also as you're going. So, so the idea is, is what I kind of hinted at is you're on mission as you're going, right? You're you're wearing kind of these glasses, these worldview glasses of I'm commissioned by Christ, and so as I go, uh, you know, as I'm going through life, I'm going with a commissioning in mind. Okay. Yeah, and so the commissioning, it's with us daily, moment by moment. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's on the forefront. We're praying for and we're looking for opportunities to engage with people, first to love them and then to engage with them in spiritual conversation with the hope of introducing them to the one who will grant them eternal life by grace through faith the gospel message of Jesus Christ, okay? And so as you're going about your job, as you're going about your parenting, as you're hanging out with your neighbors, your classmates, your roommates, as you're going, you're looking and praying for opportunities to spread the gospel of Christ. Does that make sense? That's what we're, that's the, the eyeglasses that we wear. So it's as you're going. But there's a second part to this idea of go. The idea of go is you can't sit and go at the same time. There's a little bit of the commissioning of Christ that says you've got to be pushed out of your comfort zone. Does that make sense? We, church, it's just because you have a seat this morning and it's comfortable, maybe it's a little chilly, but all in all, it's pretty comfortable in here, you know, or whatever. And just because we're comfortable and our life is comfortable, there's always got to be, we've always got to be asking the question if we're serious about the commissioning. Hey, God, is there more I need to be doing? Are you pushing me out of my comfort zone to go? Are you being pushed out of your comfort zone to go in your community? Okay, let's just talk about our own community for a minute. Um, we need to be looking for and praying for and building relationships with our community, people that maybe don't have a church home, just to build a relationship so that we can Maybe look for an opportunity to talk about Christ or maybe to invite to church. I mean, let me ask you something. Not a, this is not an out loud answer, okay? But uh, it's rhetorical. When, some people need to be told that, by the way. Um, so when was the last time you invited someone to attend church with you? Right? Hopefully it was this week, but what if, it was, I mean, what if it's been months? And I'll tell you another thing. One of the things that we have to be cautious of, and, and listen, I'm a big believer in fellowship and accountability as we grow in Christ. Those are all very, very important. But there also needs to be margin in our lives to make sure that we're building relationships with those who 
don't know Jesus Christ. In fact, one of the things I, I've always kind of pushed back on, and so if this offends you, please know I, I say it with all the kindness in my heart. I'm not trying to be offensive, but one of the things I see churches do is we do everything together, and then we start having like our own little potluck fellowships, you know, and we just got to come up and eat together and all. And there's a part of me that's like, well, you know, we've already got Connect, Grow, Serve. You know, you're hanging out with people in corporate worship, and you're in a small group, hopefully, and you're serving somewhere and rubbing shoulders with other people as you're serving together, and that's all important. But there should be some place. Instead of all of us gathering up here to have potluck, why don't, why don't you just invite your neighbors over for a cookout? You know, so we can build some relationships in the community. Uh, and by the way, you know, we have Easter coming up in a couple weeks, and... Um, one of the things that I love about the culture we live in, we're very blessed, actually, as church people, as followers of Jesus, that there's kind of this natural, like, in our culture, it's kind of built in the DNA, like, I, I think I'm supposed to go to church on Easter, you know, I'm, I just, and that's a good thing. I think a lot of people push back and say, like, ah, come on, like, I love that. That's great. And we need to take advantage of that and invite, there's going to be some people that you, right now you're praying for and say, God, I want to pray and, and hope for, and look for an opportunity to invite someone on Easter Sunday you know, maybe they'll come and hear about the resurrected Savior and the power of uh, corporate worship and relationship, maybe, friendly face and, and, and some decent music and the preaching of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe God will do His unique work that He does. You know, it's a great opportunity. So we need to be intentional about getting out of our comfort zone and going into our community. Second thing, we need, we need to be intentional about going across the room. Sometimes it's as simple as going across the room. You know, here when, at Coastal, when God brings someone here, we need to, <clears throat> we need to have eyes for, uh, you know, what's it look like to go across the room? I, a couple weeks ago, I thought this was really cool. I'm sharing this story without permission, so maybe I'll get in trouble later. But um, our student ministry had what they called Donite, and, and uh, I shared the story about how I ate, ate donuts that day and, and uh, still lost the eating contest. Anyway, um, but it, it's, it's an outreach event for our student ministry, and, and, uh, and Josh sets it up for, you know, hey, we really want you students to invite friends, and, you know, students love to come and overeat donuts, and, and there's, it's always a big group, and, and the intention is, hey, it's an opportunity to invite some kids here and, and, and your friends here, and, and maybe they'll ultimately, the hope is through relationship, they'll find a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it was Donite, and... and um, <clears throat> I was watching, I was just kind of hanging out and looking, and, and there was a student here that I had never seen before, and, and he was all by himself over in the corner, and so I went over and I talked to him, and, and uh, I found out, I want you to hear this, I found out that this kid had not been in a church event in almost a decade, a decade, can you imagine, I mean, he wasn't even that old, he's not even old enough to not been in a church event in a decade, and so, I, you know, I, I talked to him for a little bit, but I knew he didn't want to hang out with the 45-year-old fat guy. So uh, why y'all got to laugh at that? Anyway, um, so I kind of walked away, and, and, and I was just kind of watching. He was still kind of by himself, and this was really where it got really cool. One of our students walked over and included him in the game that they were playing. And for the rest of the night, this new tender or person who was checking out our student ministry had made some friends, made some relationships, and then this person hung out with them afterwards. And so I went up to this person afterwards and I, or I saw him the next week and I said, I, I saw what you did. That was really cool. And, and she said to me, she goes, yeah, I saw him standing there and I saw you talking to him, but I, I kind of had him while I, like, I just want to invite him to come and get to know us a little bit. And church, here's what I'm saying about that. Like, it's easy to fall into the trap. Like we come in and hey, there's my small group or there's so-and-so I've been wanting to talk to them. And it's easy to not have eyes for people that, and for those of you who are new here, you'll nod your head to this. Like when you, it's really weird to go to a new place, isn't it church? If you're new to this, like, and you don't know where to go and you kind of walk in and, and here's how you know if someone's visiting, you, you watch them when they walk walk in, they look up and they start reading the signage, okay? Like, man, where do, how do I find? And so there's times, like, I might be talking to you, but I'm always watching for that person, right? And I may even, if you're, you know, if you're telling me about, you know, how your goiter's hurting you or whatever, I may say, hey, listen, I, I appreciate it. Let me, because the, I, my eyes are on, wow, maybe God's sending us someone new, Okay, and so as a church, we have to have our eyes for, you know, hey, is, someone, is God sending someone here? And, and, and church, it's why we do some weird things right here. We're not trying to offend, but it's why we, we, we rope off seating, because we want to make sure that when a guest comes, that the seating's not so full, that we go, hey, come on, you get to sit in the front row where the pastor spits on you, right? Like, nobody wants to sit there, right? And so, you know, and so it, it's why we ask our members, we say, hey, members, we need you to, you know, find a place to serve, park further away, and sit up front. Why do we do that? Why? Because we want to have eyes for people 
that are checking out what God's doing at Coastal Community Church, okay? So we have to be, get out of our comfort zone, even here in our own ministry, okay? Number three, uh, some of you all are going to have to get out of your comfort zone because God's challenging you to be a missionary. <coughs> I want you to hear that because I'm excited about this. I, here's what I think is going on. Um, I'm watching this. I'm watching God move at Coastal Community Church. There's some of you. God's going to raise up some missionaries out of the church that are saying, you know what, I'm really passionate about going to a culture where there's not a church on every other street corner, right? And, I, you know, we live in a culture where there's one on every other street corner. If you don't like the one you're going to, you find another one you like, whatever. So, you know, but, but there are some cultures where there's cities of millions of people that maybe have a church of less than 100. I mean, can you even imagine that? And what I think is going to happen is there's going to, God's going to begin to stir, and, and, and there's going to be some people here who say, you know what, the comfort zone I need to leave is really like I need to take the gospel. In fact, remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans? He goes, I don't want to go where the build on another man's foundation. I want to go where the gospel's already been preached. I, I want to go where it's never been. And, and that's not for everybody, okay? And so if you're just like, yeah, I don't know. If that's what's, There's going to be some, though, that that's what's going to happen. And, and it's up to us as a church to get behind that person, right? And go, wow, God's doing so. You know, God's given us a global vision as well. You know, it's not just our little peninsula. And so, you know, so, so God's going to call some of you out of your comfort zone. And if that's you, man, I'm excited. I'm praying. I'm praying for you through this sermon series that God continues by spirit to stir in your heart and, and put the pieces in place for that to happen, okay? Third thing about going, okay? Now, now let me stop here for a minute before we, I introduce you to this point. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're a guest, okay, uh, this is kind of church talk and it's some conversation that we need to have as a church. And so, uh, and so I, you, you're certainly welcome to listen in. Don't check out. But this is going to get a little lengthy and wordy, but it's important what I'm going to say, okay? So I'm going to shift gears here, okay? But we got to go as a church, okay? This commissioning is for us to, as, a, as a church as well, kind of corporately speaking, all right? So let me, let me just unpack what I'm talking about. Um, during our winter, uh, fall and spring, winter, spring months, um, it, we've been averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 900 to 1,000 attenders on our weekend services. And, um, and I, that's super exciting, okay? And, and I remember when we built this building, we were meeting at Grafton High School. Um, uh, I remember when we built this, and I was, I was corrected from last night. I said it was three years ago. It's been almost four years since we built the building. Um, we were running about just under 300 people. And I thought, you know, when we build this building, we could probably handle about 1,000 people. Um, and that's about it, I mean, because of seating and children's space and parking place. What struck me is I never anticipated that it would happen so quickly. You know, we've kind of been there in, in probably the last couple of years. That's kind of where we've been, okay, but around there. And, and, and so one of the blessings of the uh, number of people God sends our way is that, you know, we've been able to begin to make double mortgage payments. And I'm going to come back to why that's important here in a minute, but, you know, so the last year or so, we've been able to pay down some of our debt. You know, we took a $1.8 million loan here, and, and I know we've reduced that at least $200,000. I don't have all the numbers off the top of my head, but we've been able to double that, and our hope is we continue to do that. If the economy stays strong and all that, that in six to seven years, we'll be debt-free on this building, uh, which I think is super exciting because it, you know, it frees up resources for the kingdom, but we also don't want to be, you know, in debt and overly leveraged because, you know, Proverbs 22 says the debtor is the servant to the lender, right? And we don't, we don't want to be the servant to our lender, but we want to serve it to our king. Uh, so one of the, but one of the challenges that we have here at Coastal, okay, is our, uh, one of the things in our culture is most people really want to go to church, especially people that are investigating Christ. They want to go to church between 10 and 11 o'clock in the morning. That's kind of the common time. And, and so, uh, and so uh, as we're kind of maxed out in seating, okay? And, 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 and by the way, we are. Our 10, 11 o'clock service, our 11 o'clock service at Coastal has been absolutely maxed, okay? Uh, in fact, church studies show that if you're 70, if your building is 75% full, you're full. Did you know that? Now, why is that? Why, why is it 75% full, you're full? Why can't you fill 100% of the seats or generally not? So anybody know? Because you don't sit next to one another. We always make sure there's a seat or two. I mean, some of you, some of you folks are even married, I see, have put two seats between you. So, you know, 
we can talk afterwards, but, uh, but, you know, we generally do that, right? I mean, you know, there's one or two seats, you know, we just do it. We like our space and our, our culture, and that's just kind of culture. So when you're 75% full, you're full. So what that means is our 11 o'clock service, which generally runs right around 300, it's, it's just full. We're maxed out. And, and so uh, there's been some weeks, there was a week, uh, a couple weeks ago where we grew we had one week of a 20% bump in attendance, all right? And it put us over 1,100 for the weekend, okay? And, and our, there's been two or three weeks over the last probably month and a half to two months where our 11 o'clock service has had over 400 people, okay? That's like all the seats we can put down. And, and so it was very, very crowded. And one particular week, we had, we had um, over 400, and we had tons of people, probably 20 to 40 people sitting in our lobby. And our ushers, I want you to hear this. Our ushers saw one family come in. They came in a few minutes late. They couldn't find a seat, and they turned and left, okay? Now, that should break our hearts a little bit, all right? Uh, in fact, whenever I share this with some other people in the community, they're like, well, that's a good problem to have. I'm like, well, it's still a problem. And it's a problem that keeps me up at night. It's a problem that doesn't sit well with me. It's a problem going, God, I mean, you know, we should never be turning people away simply because we're full, okay? In fact, church, we're not even in a, in a position to grow by just 50 or 60 people at our 11 o'clock service. I want you to think about that. If just everybody in this room invited one person, a neighbor or a family member, and they said, hey, we'll meet you up there, but we're going to come on 11 o'clock, which then you should go, I'll meet you there, right? You should make that your mission. I'll meet you there at 11 o'clock. And you walk in, and the service is full, and that person ends up sitting in the lobby or sitting right in the front row with the pastor spitting on him. Okay, like that's, that's not what we want to be, right? We have to, as a church, we got to get out of our comfort zone, and we have to grow and stretch, okay? So, one of the things, and you guys know this, I've been praying about this and thinking about this, like how are we going to solve this issue as a body, okay, as a church body? And I've concluded that in order for us to continue to house the people God wants to send us, we have to have three really important elements, okay? We have to have seating, and it's key seats at key times. I want you to hear that. It's key seats at key times. In other words, I could add three or four more services, but what you end up doing, one, you end up stretching your staff and you end up stretching your volunteer base, okay? So the most effective thing we need to think through is how can we have key seats at the 10, 11 o'clock time? Does that make sense? That's generally when people want to come to church. So we have to have seating. And if we have more seating, what else do we need to have, church? Any ideas? Anybody? If parking, that's right, you gotta have more parking because you gotta have somewhere to put your car, okay? You can't leave it out on 17. And, um, and then you also have to have what else? Any, any other thoughts? More children's space. Our, our 11 o'clock children's space is packed. You know, our toddler rooms, our infant rooms are packed. Um, and so it, whatever we do has to have all three of those things. So I've been really praying about this and thinking about this. In fact, one of the reasons that um, I've been out of the pulpit several times the last you know, three, four months, is I've been doing some investigating and talking to some other churches. So for me, the answer is not, hey, let's wait seven more years till our debt is paid off and we'll build something else. Like, we can't do that. That doesn't geek me up. Hey, let's wait another decade, basically. All right? And so what are we going to do? How many of y'all feel like you're being set up for something? You are. Okay, good. I've set you up good. All right? So here's where I'm, this is where I'm leading Coastal Community Church, Okay. I'm going to be positioning Coastal Community Church over the next 12 to 18 months to launch a campus, okay, a second campus. Um, that is, and I want to get the language right. I want you to hear the language, okay? It's one church in two locations, all right? One church in two locations. Um, now, like I told you, in the last 18 months, I have talked to many pastors four to be exact, and visited four churches that are doing this very thing. There are 8,000 churches in America that are doing campus ministry. So it's being done. I feel like it's the very early wave of what God is doing in our culture, so I'm really excited about it. Um, and so it is being done. So let me, I know the question is running through some of your minds right now, so I'm going to answer them, right? I don't want to watch Pastor Sean on a video, right? So I know that's what some of you are thinking. And man, I appreciate that because I know I'm much better looking in person. Okay, so, so here's the vision for the campus, okay? My anticipation is for Pastor Sean to be right here at the Yorktown campus and for the campus to be 
what I'm calling a video venue. Well, here's what that means, okay? We're going to do great job with first impressions, just like we do here. We're going to do, we're going to have a live band, okay? We're going to do a great job with children's ministry, just like we do now. But the teaching portion of the church service will either be on video or it will be done by the campus pastor. The truth is it will probably be a mix of the two, okay? And so that's where that is going with the campus. So if you're like, man, I, I don't want to see Pastor Sean. I really like it here in New Yorktown. Great news for you. Just keep coming, okay? I'm going to be right here, uh, and, and, you know, I'm going to be in person, and, you know, you, we won't have to watch it on a screen. That's really the vision of where we're going, okay? Um, now, is the new campus going to be Coastal Community Church? Yes, 100% yes, okay? So does that mean Pastor Sean from time to time is going to have to go visit Coastal Community Church at another campus? Yeah, of course. I'm not trying to you know, do a bait and switch, but my intention is most of the time I will be right here. And by the way, didn't we watch a pretty good sermon last week on video? I don't think that was a God thing that Pastor Sean was puking last week at 8 o'clock in the morning now in hindsight, okay? Um, the teaching can still be done if it's biblical, uh, then God's spirit will use it to change and touch lives and change hearts. Now, here's the cool thing, okay? I know some of you are like, oh, okay, but here's what I'm looking for. I'm praying for, a, for God to raise up a hundred entrepreneurs and missionaries say, you know what? I want to make this campus work. So here's the cool thing. I know in this church body, there are some people, not everybody, it doesn't have to be everybody. There's a hundred people that go, I'm pretty excited. And what's been cool to me is watch that happen over the last couple of weeks. I, I, I mean, over the weekend, I saw it last night. And I, I've been seeing it this morning. There's been some people coming to me like, I, I want to be a part of the campus. And that's what's going to happen. God's going to raise up our 100 entrepreneurs, and we're going to send them out, and we're going to do a new thing in this community. Okay, so let me talk about what it's going to look like. Five steps. Okay, here it is. Number one, uh, staffing. Okay, we've got to get our staffing right behind the scenes. Okay, as we've grown, our staffing has been stretched. Our ministries have been stretched. If you're leading a ministry, you know you're feeling how stretched we are. And so I'm going to be looking over the next several months, God willing, hopefully it won't take as long as a year, but I'm looking to hire an executive pastor, okay? An executive pastor, for all intents and purposes, is the pastor's right-hand man. All right, and I'm going to need that person in place so that I can launch this campus. So that's step number one. Okay, step number two is location. We want to be talking and praying about where where will this campus be. I don't know yet. Okay, one thing I do know though is God has always put Coastal in some phenomenal locations. Okay. Um, from its very inception, it's been in great locations, uh, and, and that's way far back, even Grafton High School. This is a great location. God has always given us great locations for great price so that we could be good stewards. So be praying about the location, okay, that God would continue to do that. Uh, number three, I'm praying for a core group. I'm praying for, for 100 people that will step up and say, I'm this is going to be my mission for the next 12 months, okay? Uh, and, and so I'm praying for location, all right? Number four, we're going to be praying for resources, all right? What resources does it take to pull off campus? It's going to take some staffing. It's going to take some volunteers. Uh, it's going to take some stuff, okay, technical stuff and things like that. So we're going to get all that together, and, and, and we need to, we're going to need to raise up the funds for those resources, okay? And so we're going to be praying and pushing towards that. Number five, and I've been saying praying. This is the one I would have put at the top, but I wanted you to know what you're praying for. We need to be a church of prayer. You know, this is the mission and the vision that God has made clear to me over the last 18 months and clear to my board, elder board and some key staff members, and we really believe this is where God's taken us. I'm super excited about it, okay? And so we need to be bathing it in prayer, God, as, as he orders our steps. My goal is to launch the campus in early 2015. Now, that's an aggressive target. I don't know if I can hit it, but if I don't have a target, I won't hit anything, all right? So I'm making that target. I'm hopeful we'll get there. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, but it'll be no later than sometime in 2015, okay? Now, I think a lot of you would agree we've got a great church, don't we? And it's not, it's not acceptable for me to say, hey, I've got a seat, and I'm comfortable, and if there ain't enough seats at another time, too bad. It's not acceptable for us as a body. I think you would agree with that. So I've concluded we've got to do something, right? And, and I'm very excited about the vision that God's giving. Now, with that, I've been evaluating with that vision that God has really clarified in my heart. I've been evaluating everything we're doing, every ministry, every staffing, because where our resources going. In fact, if you remember in January, I told you guys, I said this year for me was what I'm calling the huddle year. And if you're a football person, you know what that means. You huddle 
up and then you break, okay, to run the play, all right? And so this year's been a huddle year. I've been, we've been evaluating everything, okay? So with that, probably the biggest and most immediate change that I'm going to make is I'm going to be eliminating the Saturday night service, okay? So I know some of you have heard that. Some of you that's new too. And I'm doing that for two reasons, okay? Number one uh, is so that we can focus towards a campus. I really believe that's where God wants us to go. And, and, and the second reason, and is very similar to the first, is the Saturday night uh, service has been a tremendous stretch on some key staff and some key volunteers, okay? So I'll just make it really personal, okay? And, and I'm not asking you, anybody to feel sorry for me, but it's been really difficult on me and my family, our worship leader, our children's director, and uh, it has been a challenge for us, and many of us have worked six and oftentimes seven days a week, and what I've determined is that's, that's not a sustainable model for a long term, because if our staff and key volunteers are not healthy, guess what else isn't healthy? Coastal Community Church, right? And so, and so that's probably been the difficult part of this change, and I know many of you are sitting here and you're usually Sunday people, so you're like, oh, whatever, but you know, there's a part of our body that this was a big change on, and so would you do me a favor and, and be praying for the folks that are trying to navigate that with, hey, how's that fit with our family and how we worship, okay? And, and so that's probably the biggest change that I'm making, um, and I know that, that anytime we make a change, change is difficult, Yes? Any change is difficult, and change is always an opportunity, and we always have, I always feel like you have two opportunities when there's change. We can lean into the Lord, right, and say, God, you know, we trust, we trust the leadership you've given our church. They, you know, we know that our leadership are men and women of integrity, and they meet Timothy 3, Titus 1, uh, and we can lean into you, and that you, you're leading them and guiding them, uh, or it's also an opportunity for disunity, right? And for our enemy to come in and so seeds. So if there's ever a conversation that you need to have with me or a staff member or an elder, you know, I would really encourage you, make sure you have that conversation. Let's not give our enemy an opportunity for disunity in this great body of people that I know are pursuing and running hard after things of Christ. So let me talk nuts and bolts and I'm going to close this up here. Okay. Let me talk some quick nuts and bolts. Here's the, how, how are we going to do all this? All right, so first of all, our last Saturday night service is going to be April 12th. That's the Saturday before Easter. Um, um, we generally don't do a Saturday service on Easter Sunday, Easter weekend anyway, so it just seems like a natural stop time to transition away from that. On Easter Sunday, we're going to be doing three services, okay? 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15, okay? So we're going to do three services on, eight, on Easter Sunday. Then the following week, we're going to go to two Sunday morning services for the summer, 9 and 11. Now, here's the challenge of that, okay? For the first week after Easter, our CNU students, who we love and so glad that they're here, um, it's, they have one more week before summer break. So we're going to be very full that, that, that week after Easter, housing two services. Now, so you all don't think I'm just a knucklehead and like he doesn't know what he's doing. It usually takes people years to figure that out. Okay, but um, uh, I actually want to be intentional about that. And what I want you all to see is like this is who we are at Coastal. We're, we're really stretched and we're, we're at capacity in a lot of areas. And so, you know, I want you in an exciting way to see what happens when everybody shows up in two services and, and really see that. Okay, and then in the summer, we're going to stay at 9 and 11. And then in the fall, we're going to launch three services on Sunday morning, okay? Now, I don't know the times. I have some thoughts in my mind, but until I've got that solidified in my heart and mind, I'm not going to say it publicly, okay? But we're going to pursue three services somewhere in the 8, 8, 8.30 range will be when that starts. Does that make sense? Okay, three services on Sunday. And, uh, and so let me give one final thought, because I know there's probably a couple Saturday nighters in here that just happened to come on Sunday, uh, and maybe this is new to you and it's a little bit disappointing. So let me encourage you with this Saturday nighters, okay? My Saturday night crew, and one of the things I, I gave them last night, uh, a lot of credit um, is when we first did Saturday night, it was very entrepreneurial. It was, the, it was our missions folks. Like, hey, we want to do something new and we're fired up. So if you're here this morning, you're a Saturday nighter and you're disappointed that that service is moving, can I encourage you to pray through and think through that I already know you're entrepreneurial in spirit and, and be a part of our campus you know, when it's time to launch because that's who you are in your DNA and, and in how God's wired you up. And uh, so I just want to challenge you with that. You know, hey, maybe God's moving you to another place to go as we go as a church. Now, I'm going to pray here in a second, okay? 
Church, this is the vision that God has placed on my heart and the leadership of Coastal's heart. And I'm, so you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the vision. I know it's new to you, and I know it's sinking into your heart and mind, but would you do me a favor and, and, be, and be praying over this over the next couple weeks? Um, I, I'm excited because here's why I'm excited about it. I think it's our next step in fulfilling the commissioning that Jesus Christ has given us as a church. Um, Coastal has never been a church that wants to take the easy road to fulfill the commission. For those of you who haven't been here a long time, there were about an eight-year period where we did set up and tear down every week, every week, and it was a grind, but we did that because we're serious about the commissioning. We're launching a campus because we're serious about the commissioning that Jesus Christ has given us. Is this a stretch for us? Yes. Am I excited about it? Yes. You want to know why? If we're daring enough to align with where God wants us to go, he's going to provide the resources that he needs for us. I really believe that. And so, you know, I'm excited to see how God is going to express us. I'm excited to see how God's going to empower us, and I'm excited to see how he's going to work for a group of people that are dangerous enough to go, okay? That's where we're going. I'm excited about it. Let's close with prayer. God, I I know um, that for some in this room, this may be a tough one to hear, and uh, for those who who made Saturday night their home service, God, it was not easy to tell them. Um, I want to be clear that Coastal Community Church is your church. It's not my church. So I pray for unity. I pray for protection. I pray for growth of your body, for your glory, because Jesus Christ is being lifted up and the truth of his words being preached. And uh, God, I know it disturbs you. It disturbs me that people visit sometimes and can't find a seat. Um, I'm not good with that, God. And so help us to be a people that are radical enough to go. Help us to, to have kind of a holy unrest, God, that uh, we're not complacent just because we have a seat. Um, I pray, God, that you'll provide the resources to help make this happen. I, I pray for the staffing that we need, God. We're praying for an executive pastor. I pray that you'll send us the right man for the job to help lead our ministries and help us develop authentic followers of Christ. God, I pray for a location for our campus, God. You've always blessed us with just incredible locations in our community. God, I pray that you'll do it again for a place that's strategic and accessible so that through the ministry of this church, we can make Christ famous. I pray that you'll provide the resources we need, make us aware of all the resources we need, staffing, volunteers, and stuff, God. We need all three of those. I pray that you'll provide for all of those. I, I pray for a core group of 100 people, God, our, our entrepreneurs, our missional kind of people, God, that even now you're stirring in them. They're excited, God, and, and uh, they're excited about this new opportunity. I pray that you'll uh, ro- help us find 100 people who say, you know, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and, and make this campus go, God. I I pray for the resources for all of us in this room that will be committed to resourcing this, God, and, and making it happen for the glory of Christ, for the expansion of the kingdom of God. I pray for key leaders. I pray for technology. I pray for our worship teams. I pray for children's ministry. And God, most of all, I pray for your timing, that you'll send us the ones we need as we move forward with this plan. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, church. Listen, this is a March Missions Madness. One of the things we've been doing is showing you a video uh, each office.